0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Decided Heart Effect, where we ask you to take action every week and be inspired to live with a decided heart. My name is Sonia Montiel, and I have my great co-host here, Hilary Billbury, and we are joined today by a wonderful person, Joey Polero. He is the founder of Efficacy Life Coaching, and Joey, what I love about some of the other titles you give yourself, I have to share this with our listeners, is so you're a health and wellness coach but you are also a strategic interventionist, a knowledge business broker and a spiritual warrior. And I just, we cannot wait for you to share what those things mean to you and for you and your coaching practice. But first I just wanna take time and just say, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: You're really welcome. I'm really excited to be here. I was looking forward to this. Um, when you and I had met and had an initial conversation, we, we really connected and I was excited to get on the show. And we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, in the beginning of the show, I think it's important to mention is, you know, as long as we have the right intention, this and we are remaining open to re- to receive and to, you know, be in flow and, and, and stay in the stream of life, this is going to go exactly how it's supposed to go. And um, that requires, I believe, um, which we also were talking about, is um, less rigidity, you know, less systematic, um, less boxes, less bold lines, and more of of unfocused so I'm I'm really grateful to be here. My intention is to um, continue to share my voice, to spread my message and, and hopes that um, one person, only one person, if it's only one person who hears my message, um, leaves this conversation with a little bit more hope than they had when they got here, I think we've done our job.
2: Absolutely, I think that's a beautiful intention. And I love the idea, you know, for us, Sonia and I, Our goal is always, and our intention is always to help our, you know, to obviously lift our our guests, but also hopefully have a a moment where our listeners have an opportunity to understand that they are in control more than they think, that they can make a decision, that they can live with a decided heart and, and in so doing move into action and lift themselves. So we really are appreciate having you here and would love for you to give a little bit of background. You have such an incredible story for our listeners and our viewers. Can you share a little bit about how you got where you are today?
1: A lot of uh, rocky roads, wrong turns, hard stops, um, mistakes, failures, um, restarts, Um you know, I, I, I will give you the, it's, it's hard when I, when I, when I have to tell my story in an abbreviated um, time timeframe. Um, so um, I, I'll, I'll do my best to, you know, give you, give you the, the shorter version and the PG version. Um, <laughs> but um, I do want to mention, you mentioned like uh, dis- decisions and you mentioned choice and, you know, my life i never knew that i had a choice you know i didn't know that i got to choose the type of man that i wanted to be i that i got to choose the type of life that i wanted to live that i got to choose the the way that i contributed to the world um it took me, you know, and we'll get into it, like I'm, I'm an alcoholic and I'm a drug addict and I'm in recovery since August 20th, 2009. So um, living decades in active addiction is a, is obviously a huge part of my story, which turns out to be um, my greatest gifts, um, not only because of the uh, what it takes to crawl out of those spaces, um, but the life experience, um, of, of transforming my life and, um, having actually gone through that, um, puts me in the unique position to be of service to others, helping them along the same path. But, um, you know, I didn't know that I had a choice, you know, I didn't know that. I think you hear, we hear a lot about why, you know, you, especially in the personal development world, like, like, know your why. And, um, I have an alternate view on that because, like, I think the more important question is who, right? So it's who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? Like, what values do I want to live by? Um, I was always living by values that were injected into me by other people or um, through past life or through media or teachers, religious whatever. Um, and I was, I had zero awareness of, you know, why, it why, it, why I did what I did really what human, why humans do what they do and you know, what, what I was choosing as my solution to life. Um, but at a very young age, um, and I think this is a common thread, um, in addicts and alcoholics, it's a common human thread. Um, so, addicts and alcoholics, I don't think have cornered the market on this. It's, it's, um, I, in my heart, um, from as early as I can remember thinking for myself, being able to speak for myself, which is, I don't know, a few years old, you know, three, four, um, I always felt separate from other people. You know, I felt other than, um, I, I didn't, I always was, comparing my insides with other people's outsides. I had no communication tools. Um, I always felt like I wasn't enough and that's in spite of outside circumstances. So like I, I, uh, you'll hear a lot about people who either choose alcohol and drugs as their solution to life, or somehow, um, wind up going down that path is that usually they're, trying to treat some sort of trauma or they come from abusive homes or um, they have been experienced things like poverty or discrimination or racism or something along those lines and that's just not my story so like it's it's important that i say that because there's a um people like addiction doesn't discriminate you know, I, I grew up in a home, like, I mean, there's shit that went on. I mean, there's always life is life. But in general, I always felt safe in my home. Um, I always had what I needed. And I always had a lot of love and support. Um, on the outside, my life looked great. You know, like I did well in school. I did well in athletics. People were attracted to me. But in my mind, I always wondered, like, what's wrong with them? Like, why do they want to be around me? And so I think I was born with this feeling of being less than. And when I was interested in alcohol and drugs before I even picked up a drink, like five, six, seven years old, I'm a people watcher. So I um, I noticed the effects of alcohol on other people. And my perception, which is a Probably warped um, most of the time. Like my my perception of the world is usually um, skewed. Was that it elevated people? It increased happiness in the room. The energy shifted in the room, and I wanted. I couldn't wait to do it. Um, And you know, running around, feeling broken, and feeling other than, and feeling separate from others, and feeling less than. When I picked up a drink, alcohol had a immediate effect on me. Now, I only could say this in hindsight, um, because like I said, I had zero awareness of how I got through life. But in hindsight, I know at that moment, it became my number one priority. And um, like it does, it gets from especially if you if there's there's a genetic component to alcoholism, I believe. um, And it it definitely runs in my family. And despite warnings, I, I that were I didn't pay attention to, but, um, you know, uh, it, it affected my life. And, and what I did was arrange my life, um, at the age of 11, I arranged my life to protect my right to drink in the future because it was, it calmed my, my thinking down, you know, it, it, it made me feel less like a freak. Like I felt like a freak inside. I felt like I was different than other people. And like it does, it progressively got worse. And it was obvious to everybody but myself because I had, I had this block there. Like I was protecting, like there, I, you know, for decades, despite overwhelming consequences, most consequences associated with living a a life like that, um, short of long-term prison or death, despite overwhelming cons- consequences on all fronts, I could not see that, like, I had a problem with alcohol and drugs because it was the only thing that worked for me. And I chose it as a solution to life. And it got messy, you know, but before even I was even out of my teens, uh, things were happening, like, you know, I would get in trouble with the law. Um, I would be unable to meet my commitments. I would end up half you know, half in the front door, half out of the front door on the front lawn, I would disappear for days. And, you know, I never saw it as a problem. And like I said, like, I made sure that I did well in school, I made sure that I showed up to work, I made sure that I did well in athletics, I made sure to, to put on this facade to protect that, H- having zero awareness of it. So, so where that brought me ultimately um, over the course of two decades was a point where I had hit a bottom and I had hit many bottom over 20 years, many, um, you know, I would get by the time I was out of my teens, I was getting, you know, having to go to detoxes or I would get forced into re- recovery programs by the law or uh, the boss or parents or girlfriends, and I would go in and I would do my time, so to speak, and um, I would tell everybody what they wanted to hear and do what everybody wanted me to do for significant periods of time. I wouldn't drink or drop, sometimes well over a year until the smoke cleared and I would go back to doing what I, what I did, the only, only way that I knew how to live. Um, <clears throat> but where that winded me up on uh, was in 2009 um, I had, uh, I had a $300 a day heroin habit that was going on for years. Um, I had, uh, I was homeless, I was jobless, I was penniless. I felt worthless. I had pushed everybody away that, that, that loved me and had my best interest in mind. And, um, I still wasn't done. <laughs> um, so there was a divine intervention You know, I I wish I could say that there was a choice. There was a choice after about a year into recovery where I committed to recovery. But there was a divine intervention on on August 20th, 2009. And I went into a detox, hopefully, for the last time. And, um, you know, I went in with the same intentions that I always went in. I was, I went in waiting. I had a, to come up with another plan, how I can continue living the way I was living. And that's not what happened. Um, I got into a recovery program, which I hadn't planned on because I had burned all my bridges. I, I come from a family that does, doesn't really necessarily have any resources in a way of finances. And, um, you know, things just kind of fell into place. And I, and I, and I feel like there were higher forces at work and, um, you know, I went to, into Utah and I checked into an inpatient program. Um, I was there for three months. And my, uh, I'll speed things along, but uh, <clears throat> my recovery wasn't linear. Um, it, was, it was, I got a lot sicker before I got any better. So, so, you know, despite the actions that I was taking, which were in direct opposition of what my brain was telling me to do, my brain was telling me to run. But I just kept taking steps and I, and I feel like during this early stages of recovery that I was being uh, pushed, pulled, dragged, carried by something higher than me, a universal force that I stay out of the debate of what that is and what it looks like I just know that. Um, and it acts on us, whether we like it or not, and there are very, you know, important ways that we could learn to plug into those higher forces. But. Um, I got sicker and I, I was, you know, my days about four months sobered looked like sleep 20 hours a day, obsessing about suicide, obsessing about using drugs. I would, I was in a recovery program. Um, I was in an outpatient program. I would show up there. I would meet with, with my mentors in that program about an hour a week. I would do the inner work necessary um, to recover. And I continued to, to tank. Um, and um, I turned to food you know, and, um, I, uh, I was essentially was doing the same thing I did with alcohol and drugs with food. And over the course of, of, uh, from 2009, you know, August, 2009 to March 1st, um, it's very specific date because we'll talk about that later because it's, it's definitely one of many, uh, decided heart moments. Um, but on, you know, on that day, on March first, two thousand and fifteen, I was four hundred and fifteen pounds. I was sicker than I ever was. I was wallowing in self pity, and v- victimhood, and I was unemployable, and um, I had, I was terrified. Um, I, and I, in my opinion, I was sicker than when I was when I got into recovery, which I told you I came off the streets. So. Um, yeah, so that's the, the that's the what it was like, um, and you know what happened. You know, interrupt me anywhere because I could just keep running my mouth.
0: <laughs> I, I just um, say, um, one of the things that I'm I'm resonating with is before we actually started recording, but you talked about working on the, the awareness, like the you know how we, we love the linear path. You were looking for you need bold linear path, and you know as as a child it was almost like that first sense of control. I have, this is a simple decision for me. I have control and it's, it's alcohol and I can make a decision about it. And, and it's bold, it's linear. And of course, you know, looking out, it's like, oh my gosh, why do we have to start there? You know, why couldn't it have been anything else? And we know the story of that, but you know, the decided heart effect um, is about, first of all, we can't make a decided heart moment if we don't, if we're not aware of it. So it's the fact that, and you explain this beautifully, like your head was always down looking for this bold line. And it's the, the moment where we have to look up and say, well, where the hell am I? And who's here? And who, where am I in this? Mm. And I think that takes, that takes a lot of work to actually lift up and have that awareness. And I don't know if, I mean, for you, and I know you mentioned, we're all still working at it, but was there a moment where you said, wait, let me look up.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, there was, I mean, that's my, that's my daily, my daily struggle because, you know, I, I transformed my life, not only staying sober a day at a time, but regaining my health um, and integrating, um, you know, all pillars uh, of, you know, holistic functional health. And um, so, you know, in order for me to have done that, I had to, to build healthy habits. I had to be super consistent. I had to be super disciplined. I had to be regimented. And so I, it, what it took for me to crawl out of those spaces um, served me really well. However, um, where I am today in my life, what I'm realizing is, is when I, when my head is down and I am in these boxes and systems that I am not in flow, like, I think that, you know, I miss windows of opportunity. Um, I think I, I'm a moving target. And it's, so it's hard to, you know, uh, I become a human. I've heard it put this way, and uh, I'm probably stealing somebody's thing, but we talked about that before the <laughs> show, too. Like, there's no original material. It's all a remix. Um, but I, be, I became a human doing. Um, instead Absolutely. of a human being. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to be, I need to be still. Um, and, and in order for me to, to accept what the universe is giving to me, I need to be able to receive. And that requires me looking up and opening up and letting go. So, you know, that, that, uh that's a, but I did have a moment, you know, and, and, and I, and I think this is, is one of the, the most influential decided heart moments. And again, um, it included uh, a divine intervention. So a, another way to be able to, to, to receive, and you'll hear this a lot from people who get really sick um, and maybe lose their senses or lose their health uh, or something with their physical body breaks down. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes our, our, our brains and our minds are barriers to what the universe wants to give us. And at, you know, at what I consider one of my sickest moments without seeing light at the end of the tunnel, um, the, fe- the February 28th, 2015, I had a dream. And um, in that dream, I was visited by my deceased grandfather. Um, and in that dream, he was frantically screaming at me, um intensely screaming at me shaking me um and screaming to me he who isn't being busy being born is busy dying he who isn't be busy being born is busy dying and the interesting part about that is is and why i knew it was important and not just a dream you know because <laughs> my dreams could get really all over the place i think if if uh you had a window into my dream world you might put me in a straitjacket and sometimes I live a whole nother day at night however like I knew it was important because in when my grandfather was alive I had never heard him raise his voice like he he was the most gentle mild-mannered man that I ever met and I, I, I never saw him lose his temper I never saw him raise his voice I never saw his feathers get ruffled and he was he was, he was intense about this. And uh, so, you know, I, I woke up and then, and I'm absorbing all this and, you know, it did ring a bell. Like I've heard that before and it turns out, and I don't think it necessarily matters. I think the meaning behind it matters, but it turns out to be a lyric in a Bob Dylan song Mm -hmm. um, from a song called it's all right, ma I'm only bleeding. And so I'm thinking he who isn't busy being born is busy dying. And I had a, awakening, I had awareness, you know, I had awareness that I wasn't scared to die, that I was scared to truly live. And, and I was in a ton of fear. And I was, I, I was scared to jump into the stream of life. Um, And so you mentioned control, right? This was a way food, alcohol, drugs, gambling, Sex, overspending, underspending, overexercising, overworking—all these things are a way for us to maintain control, and it's a lack of trust. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I woke committed. I woke commit committed to stop living in fear, to jump into the stream of life, to take back control of my health, and you know. So, but where do you start? you know, I have this giant mound of not only like mental and emotional and spiritual sickness, but now, you know, close to 200 pounds, which to me seems like an insurmountable task, you know. Um, But um, (laughs) what I realized about humans and human potential is what I think is possible and what's actually possible aren't even in the same ballpark. Mm -hmm. However, I started like like you change anything. There needs to be, first of all, awareness that something needs to change. We talked about that. There needs to be acceptance that it needs to change. And then there needs to be commitment. And my definition that I use for commitment is an endless series of very small, painful actions, endless. There needs to be trust, right? There needs to be consistency, like consistent actions, small, tiny actions, but done consistently consistently means every day and the key piece and this is the struggle um, that we're talking about is non-attachment and that's the letting go so like I need to have the desire I need to be committed I need to be putting the work in consistently and I gotta really want it but at the same time I I need to be willing not to have it
2: Mm. and so oh sorry I was gonna go right ahead Yeah. Thank you, Joey. You know, what occurs to me though, because, you know, even at the beginning, when you were talking about your story, it was, it was, and please don't take this the wrong way, but it was exhausting. And why it was exhausting for me is I kept on hearing you, like you were working so hard to cover everything up and living this life that you were constantly having to get out of. So what occurs to me is the very same things that got you out of it. Were the very same things you were already doing to stay in it Mm -hmm. it was just flipping the switch for the positive i mean but think about the intelligence and the the extreme work and the commitment and the uh, you know the trust of the alcohol to take you a different place you know all of those things that were happening out here and and turning it and flipping the switch and looking in i mean really truly wouldn't you say it was probably the same amount of energy, but in a different direction, which was difficult.
1: Um, <clears throat> I think you make a really good point. Like what, what changed was the focus, you know, and the meaning. Um, and however, I, I will say that, you know, um, changing anything or, um, or, you know, having goals or transforming your life or making new choices and new decisions, um, creating the type of person that you want to be a moment at a time is a lot of work. But the truth is, is that like the life that I lived um, is a 24 hour a day, seven day a week job that's, you know, covering up, covering up lies, manipulating everybody around me. Covering my tracks, controlling other people, doing anything within my, you know, in my power, in waking hours and sleeping hours to get what I needed. Um, you know, recovery from alcohol and addiction. Um, you know, holistic functional health takes a lot of effort, but I would say about twenty percent of the effort, <laughs> you know, or less you know, so like, you know, they say you need to go to any length if you want to, you know, you want to make change, and you need to be committed, and you need to be consistent. But it was so much harder work, um, you know, living a life and, and active addiction and, and juggling all those balls and, and managing the world than it is to, to, um, you know, stay sober a day at a time, um, regain my health and you know, stay focused on like my purpose and my mission, but it's a, it's a really good point, but the skill sets are the same. Mm -hmm. Like you said, like I just shifted what I was focusing on and what, you know, I've also heard that like where focus goes, energy flows. So it's like, I, I shifted it from, from this, from these things of my lower nature to, you know, things of my higher nature.
2: Well, and anything that's in motion. Oh, I'm sorry, Sonia. I'll just, I was just going to say anything. First of all, congratulations as well. I mean, it's just amazing to me. But anything like from a physics mentality, right? Something in motion. The hardest part of the energy is what is is changing the momentum. And so, really, truly, from a momentum standpoint, I mean, it is it is incredible and amazing. And nothing to be like, oh, it was just a shift. But then, when you sink into that shift and and you you move the momentum you can tap into who you always were to begin with. Um, Sonia, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Oh,
0: no, for sure. Thanks for, for mentioning that. But I, you know, you you are a coach now and, you know, recognizing, you know and helping those who need that help to, that energy to, to shift into um, and, and a positive mindset. And I'm very curious for you when, you know you had the dream about your grandfather and you said, okay, it's time to live. Um, but you said the starting point so hard to face. Did you have a coach?
1: I don't think it's it's possible to do anything alone. Um, anytime we're we're looking to change anything or um, improve our lives, it's super important to um, surround ourselves with people who have who love us and have our best interests in mind, um, who aren't scared to tell us what we want to hear, and who are going to um, support us. And specifically, a community of people with a common problem and a common solution. And then, of course, there are higher forces. Um, That are always with me. Um, Call it whatever you want—the universe, um, um, God—I really don't care what you call it. I I personally stay out of that debate. I think the the more intellectual I make it, it blocks me from it. So, uh, like, I just I just know that that these forces exist, and I have learned tools to plug into these forces, which is really tools about staying present, um, because I think you know, that's where these forces are. They're not a second ago. They're not a second later. They're only in in the present moment. So whatever it is, the tools that we use um, are about getting in the present moment. But, you know, I, uh, a good part of it, you know, I is, was self-education. And, um, you know, I, 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 I was really good at building habits. <laughs> I was really good at building Bad habits, and I was an expert in it, and so I also spent most of my life building high-end custom furniture, and so I under which really served me well in in building anything, whether that be better health or a relationship or a business or helping a client, you know, build a life for themselves that they desire. Um, and so I, I I have a mentality of you you have this really large goal, you have this really huge mountain that you need to climb and to be able to break that down into the smallest, simple, actionable steps, and then create a system around it and to build it. So you get some consistency. So you build, so you plug into that higher force of momentum that you were talking about, Hillary, like momentum is, is, is something that it's, it's like gravity or truth or love or, energy. It's a, it's a force beyond ourselves. And the only way to plug into it is to be in forward motion. Um, so yeah, I, I, I did a, I did a lot of studying. I did a lot of reading. Um, I, I, but more importantly, you know, because, you know, now I don't believe that knowledge is power. I, I believe that, that, uh, applied knowledge is power. So more importantly, I put those, you know, things that I was learning, I tested them on myself, Um, and, and I, and I, and I started really small and I did it really consistently. And I add just a little bit to a little bit to a little bit. And over the course of, I don't know how long has it been six years, um, I've been able to stay sober a day at a time. I've been able to release, um, 180 pounds without, um, any medical intervention, crash diets, insane exercise program. In fact, I just now am. Um, upping my game in regards to physical fitness, because I've sort of plateaued. And I also am now in the stream of life. And, you know, I have desires, and I have, you know, things that I want to accomplish, and I feel limited because of my physical condition. So I've, you know, right now, I've added a lot, but I've lost all that weight without breaking a sweat. You know, I did it with a a lot of, uh, I did something, one of the things that um, my is I did something called the five Tibetan rites, which is an ancient yogic yogic practice. Um, there are five movement movements that you do in a row, um, 21 repetitions of each. And between that and walking is how I lost the weight. And then of course, um, my diet, um, it was in the first, the biggest thing that I did was cut sugar <laughs> out. I had no idea that I was addicted to sugar. It's like, you don't really realize it till you eliminate it. Um, and you know, the, I, I, I've taken, I've taken no giant leaps. I've taken lots of little, little steps and, and and I'm never doing it alone. Like today I have, I have a coach. I have a, a coach that helps me. Um, you know, uh, he's an acupuncturist and a spiritual advisor. I have a, a physical trainer. I have a business coach. Um, so like, these are things that are important to me. My highest priority values are, you know, my health, you know, my sobriety and then, you know, owning my gifts, which, is my life, you know, all that pain, and all those mistakes, and all those failures today are my greatest gifts to help other people along the same path. Because, you know, it's, I've, I've walked down the path. And those are the best teachers. So when I'm looking for a teacher, or I'm looking for a mentor, I look for somebody who's done what I want to do, because they're able to take that life experience, wisdom, and transfer it to me, in a minuscule amount of time that it took them to acquire it. So I'm a firm believer in in coaches, mentors, um, you know, guides. I have a team of people helping me. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. I love that because I think it's so important for our listeners, our viewers to, to really think about that. And I, I had this image when you're talking about surrounding yourself with people, because sometimes we find, find ourselves, and I've used this analogy before, it's, it's a pretty common one of the the crabs in the barrel right? When you are, when you stay in one place and you can't get out, look around you, because oftentimes you've got the people that are like, no, because if you get out, then I have to look at myself. So they keep pulling you back down into that barrel. And so I love this image. It's like I'm picturing in my head, somebody on the other side of the barrel going, nope, here you go, buddy. (laughs) You know, I'm already out. Like I already got out. Let's let me join you. Let me throw you the rope. And I think it's so important for us to have that pause. I mean, for some reason, that is really what's resonating me, re- resonating with me through this entire conversation as you're talking about being present, is that no decision can ever be made. No change can ever happen when you are constantly in this state of doing and reaction. But you really do have to pause and be present and say, OK, hold on. Where am I? Let me look around. Do I want to get to that other side? Who's already over on that side? How can I get them to help me? What do, but it really requires you to stop moving for a moment and be curious and assess what is around you.
1: That's a really good point. And Sonia touched on that too. You know, she says like looking up, sometimes you just need to look up. So when I'm out, let's just say I'm on a hike and I'm in the woods. There's times when I take my hikes and I don't pick my head up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's like, yeah, yeah um, I'm very like intently and purposefully focusing on something, uh, whether it, it might be gratitude, um, it, it might be, um, you know, my business, it, it might be my health. Um, I mean, there, These are all really important things for me to focus on it because they fall within my highest priority values. But like that, takes me out of the present moment. And sometimes I'm in the woods for an hour and I realize I didn't look up. So, you know, part of my daily practice is to, to be looking around, to be looking up, to look at all the, the, the truth and beauty and goodness that's in the world. And that requires me to, to be still and to be aware and to be not be moving all the time. You know, and, and it's, it, it's hard for me. And, I, and at this point, I don't even remember if we were talking about it before, um, the sh- before we opened up here or, or during, but, uh, uh, you know, being super disciplined for me, um, you know, it, it kind of works like this for me. It's like, I always thought that doing whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, mm-hmm. meant freedom meaning not following any rules, not doing what people told me to do, not complying to to anything, not following the law, like just doing whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted was freedom. And and I guess if you think about it intellectually, you would think that it is, but it ultimately, it it actually created a self-imposed prison for myself. Mm -hmm. And so when I started to figure out, you know, how to get out of these spaces, it required a whole lot of discipline. And what I found is the opposite is true. The more disciplined I am, the more free I am. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being super structured and disciplined and consistent and operating within systems and building good habits served me really well. But I'm at a point in my life where I need to, I'm realizing that creativity lies in an unfocused state. It lies in the being, like not in the doing. It requires looking up. It requires like breaking down walls of those boxes that I have created that really serve me really well. Um, and so a, a, a lot of my spiritual work and all spiritual work is about shifting perspective. There's so many ways to do that. Like I don't, I don't really look at it in a, like a mystical, esoteric way. I think all spiritual work is about shifting perspective. And so like my big thing is to, um, and and like I said, I, I'm a structured person. I have to structure things in, but I now structure in a certain amount of time for unfocused time or mm. laziness time. And what I noticed, and there's brain research to back this up, and I didn't know it at the time, is that creativity lies in the unfocused state, not in a focused state.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think this is such... I want to leave our, our viewers and listeners just with that thought and let that settle. in. I think it's so powerful. It's, and it may have, it may release more questions and answers. And, um, and they're going to reach out to you, Joey.
1: The questions <laughs> so, are the answers, right?
0: Right. And then it's they're so going to need to ask the right questions. <laughs> so what, what is the, you know, we're going to post all the links and how to contact you, but what, how is the, what is the best way to reach out to you? Um, should our listeners, um,
1: uh, you can uh, LinkedIn, Joseph Polaro, um, Facebook, Efficacy Life Coaching. Uh, email Joseph at Efficacy Life com. I'm going to spell it because apparently people have a really hard time spelling it. I don't understand why, but it's EFFICACY Life com. So Joseph at Efficacy Life com. Um, you can pick up the phone, call my business line, 973 988 1498. I could be found.
2: Yeah, you could, you could be, you have been found. I mean, yeah. I, think that, I think that that is really the most powerful thing that came out of, I mean, I love everything about your story, but going into this day, I'm ready to go and, and hug my kids and remind them to be present. And really that is where you find who you are and connect with your heart. And I'm thinking of the line from, from the alchemist that was, and the boy and his heart became friends. And, um, that really feels like where you are leaving us today, Joey, and thank you so much. It was congratulations on everything that you have accomplished. And thank you for the gift of bringing everything, the pain, the hardship, all of that to light so that you can be in service to other people and help other people on their journeys. We say to our viewers and our listeners, We appreciate you being with us for another episode of the DH Effect, the decided heart effect, reminding you all that you have the ability to be still, to pause, to make a choice and to live with a decided heart.